Welcome back, guys. It's Mountain Meditations. You already know. Um, I don't know what episode this is. I keep dropping the ball on this. I think it's 13. That's what we're going to say it is. Um, and so we're, as you know, we're doing the whole this versus this thing. And so, Tristan, what are we going to be talking about today? We're doing a battle for the ages, Chris. We're doing millennials versus boomers. Yes. The legendary battle between two awful no matter, <laughs> beings. No matter who wins, we all lose. <laughs> it's true. Um, so I don't even know where to start here. I, I will say right off the bat, um, I, will, I am the first person, the people who know me, I will be the first to trash millennials whenever I, I can. But the thing is, we have to give credit where it is due. There are a lot of things, there are a lot of problems that millennials have that the boomers are partly responsible for, and I want to go into that. Um, that's basically what I'm going to be talking about today. Uh, Tristan and I haven't really compared notes yet. But um, so, like, the oldest millennials right now are probably around 38 or something like that, like 38 to 40. Yeah, I've got a graph pulled up right here. It says okay. millennials uh, born 1981 to 1996, so their age in okay. 2018 is 22 to 37 okay all right and it's it's like all over the board from what i've noticed like it's not very consistent um it's no. so on some graphs I, I am a millennial on some graphs i'm not it's born 96 right. yeah so i'm i know that i'm usually at the tail end it usually ends at like 94 which is where i am um so yeah a lot of them on the other end though are getting pretty pretty up there like that's yeah. Close to 40 is, you know, that's 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 practic that's <laughs> middle age actually. So um millennials in general are according to most statistics have less money. Uh we have less property and we're getting married a lot less. And I think there was one survey that said like we're having less sex, which is Well, Chris, you are getting married. Interesting. That's so, true. So, you know, 1 out of 3, that's not So yeah, I'm I'm like breaking <laughs> breaking the norm here. Um, millennials also diagnosed for depression and anxiety at like twice the rate of every other generation, pretty much. It's like one out of six. Wait, I think it's probably more than that at this point. Uh, I also want to touch on that a little bit. I think what you'll find with a lot of these statistics is that they're, they're implying something that, you know, the whole correlation causation thing that everyone says, um, therapy in general and going to see, Addressing your mental health is less of a social stigma at this point. Yeah. So I'd say millennials going to a therapist and getting diagnosed with depression and also therapy in general has come a long way in just, you know, 50 years. Um, so I'd say that that statistic can be a little misleading. I wouldn't argue that millennials are like, you know, the, the, the kings and queens of depression. I would say that they're probably or we are probably just um, better at addressing the fact that we have it and getting better or getting more help for it. Um, so half of millennials don't even want a house in the future or a family. And that's compared to baby boomers who were like, let's buy a house at like 18 and let's do this and start a family. Yeah. Well, that's, that's <laughs> another part of that. Um, so I think a lot of these things are connected in you know different ways like can we blame this on one specific thing you know of course not but as tristan and i have talked about before multiple times in multiple different podcasts the family 
is very, very important. So true. you, what, how you grow up, who you're surrounded by, well, that and getting social interaction through, you know, school, whatever that has shown to lead to a high success. But, you know, two parents, mother and father, that is a very, very good predictor for success and probably mental health, what we'll find. And the family is very important. And so it's important to recognize the fact that boomers ruined the family. <laughs> um, let's just, just go straight ahead. into the boomer bashing. I'm, that's what I'm going to do because <laughs> I didn't think I was going to do this when I was going in. I was like, ah, yeah, I'm just going to I'm just going to go for it. So divorce rates have like doubled for people over 50 since 1990. And that's been like a steady incline. It's not just something that just sort of appeared Um and it was happening a lot when I was growing up. It was happening with my friends. Um, a lot of them were, you know, oh, I'm going to visit my dad this weekend, like that kind of thing. And that's just not, as much as we want to focus on ourselves and finding the right person for us, and if we're unhappy leaving, um, it's not good for the kids in any way. And that's been proven nope. um, time and time again. So it's a, a lot of people... You know, and, and what we have to recognize is that boomers are also dying very fast, um, which is dark. But they're, they're like, um, you know, I have multiple friends um, who have lost, actually their dads specifically, uh, before the age of 20. And that is incredibly rough on the mental health, as uh, my co-host can acknowledge. And um, nobody should have to go through that. And I think that's probably leading a lot to, you know, not even just the divorce part of it, but losing a parent um, can be really detrimental to mental health. Um, 40% of all live births, I thought this was interesting, 40% of all live births in the U.S. are to single mothers. And what we mean by single here. Yeah, yeah. And so (laughs) what we mean by single here is... Unmarried. um, Unmarried, yeah. So what you're going to find is that while a lot of Millennials aren't getting married. They don't want to get married. Um, a lot of boomers did this as well. This is, this started with them and has sort of accelerated to us. Um, and what I found with a lot of the people that I know that are having kids is that they're waiting to get married afterwards because financially, you're going to be doing a lot better if you do wait. And while I do not condone yeah. that at all, I think that's that's a terrible way of taking advantage of a broken system. Um, yeah. At some point, you have to say, "Well, you know that." Sometimes I don't blame them, but other times I'm like, "Man, that's just that's just awful." Um, Can't hate the player; you got to hate the game. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, we boomers gave birth to this little little generation. These little bundles of depression uh, came into the world, and we were told that college would make us, you know, successful. College is the way to go. We go to college and everything is... And you realize later on we were told this because boomers are all professors and they want their jobs. So uh, college, unless you majored in something like, you know, healthcare related, if you majored in engineering or um, something to do with... STEM, cough. Computer science. Yes, thank you, Tristan. Um, Then you're going to (laughs) be... You're going to be having a rough time, as I have found out. Um... So you you have the generation that I'm going to keep on with the boomer bashing, a generation that nice, destroyed nice. the family, uh, a generation that made Disney movies telling us that we have to be special and follow our dreams when 
you know, our dreams, if they don't fall into these certain, um, <laughs> these certain jobs will, will not carry us anywhere. And, um, they ruined education. Uh, they made these stupid, uh, subjects that shouldn't even exist. And all in the end, we, you know, we come out of the education system and we don't even know where to find China on a map. And they're like, millennials, y'all are so stupid. And it, that's just not the way it, it, it was your fault. You were the ones. It was your fault. You should have taught us better. You were the teachers. So there's no unity of country. There's no, you know, in terms of America. Everyone hates America now. <laughs> Everyone hates themselves. Um, All right, I'm one for two on that. Well, <laughs> and it makes sense to me. In a world where you realize that your education was meaningless, that the family is meaningless, um, that... You know, a lot of these things, your family just didn't even exist, and you've been told that the planet's going to explode in 10 years, then I think it's understandable that commitment would be a little difficult for you. And so commitment, when we talk about commitment, you know, going out, buying a house, like everything I talked about before, um, have, you know, getting married, um, because they've, they've seen that marriage doesn't end well. Uh, they don't want to yeah. stay at the same job for long periods of time. Um you know, and people love to blame the government and the economy. I disagree I, all oh, yeah. there. Oh, yeah. 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 And that's why. Let's blame millennials, the government. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's Tristan. But I, I, I would disagree here. I love to blame the government for things as much as Tristan does. But we, I think we can take a step back here. I, I, I don't think giving money, and this is why millennials you'll find are leaning more towards socialism than previous generations, is because they want to be given what they feel that they deserve. It's like when you look back and you say, well, boomers ruined this, boomers ruined that. They ruined the economy, blah, 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 like everything I just did. And then you say, well, now they owe me. And that's not the way it works. You know, sure, they did a lot of things that um, did not lead to our success. Let's say that. That's fine. Um, but there are a lot of things that we did that didn't lead to our success as well. Me specifically, majoring in the wrong thing, um, not working when I was younger. That would have helped a lot, doing just odd jobs on the side. Um, so yeah, and I think I think the, the standard of living going up has made it so that we're a little bit spoiled. We do feel a little bit entitled to, you know, higher standard of living. Amanda and I live, live perfectly fine and we're basically poverty level, I'm not sure. No, we're, we're poor, let's say that. We're at the poor level of things. Uh, we both work retail, but we're doing fine. And I think a lot of people are doing fine and doing better than they think they are. So that was my whole rant here is boomers have done a lot of things. Millennials, however, need to work with what we have. And I think we can make things better. There we All go. Right. Wasn't, that, wasn't that inspiring? Uh, it was something. But I'm going to go in a completely different direction. Good. I was and, hoping you would. Yeah. I don't really care too much for the boomers. They're just another group of people. But I also think that there's nothing that millennials do better than abdicate from personal responsibility. Right. So uh, let's let's go through a couple of things. So uh, a lot of people think that boomers ruined marriage. That's not true. The government yes, ruined marriage. Though the government ruined marriage. Oh, come on. <laughs> and, I, and I know. All right. Hear me out. So start off with fault. We start off with like the whole idea of a state sponsored marriage that I really can't understand 
why the gu- why I have to have a license to get married, why there has to be any kind of legality coming in towards two people who are above the age of 18 consensually Tristan's, deciding to spend time together. Tristan's libertarian ideals are seeping into this conversation as we speak. Yeah. So basically, government bad, free market good. End of discussion. <laughs> All right, so... For starters, the whole idea of state marriage is generally just a bad idea, especially for men. Now, I really don't want to seem like too much of a, a MGTOW person, because I'm really not. I, I, For the record, I totally get it. Uh, I have really good friends that went through bad divorces, and they really got screwed for it. So mm. we have faultless divorce and alimony. And alimony is when the government decides that the man needs to be punished for the woman divorcing him for some right. reason. The idea is that the woman basically worked at at your house, like taking care of your kids and cleaning up the home, and that she deserves restitution for that for the rest of her life because the free room and board and the house that you provided her just wasn't enough. And the consensual transaction of marriage also wasn't enough. And the idea that you showed her a certain standard of living, and now even though you're not married to her anymore, you're still responsible for that. I don't personally understand that. I guess I'm just too reasonable. But that's not the point. So the, so now, uh, let me think, what were the percentages? I believe like around 70% of all marriage is both initiated by the woman and a faultless divorce. So the, the whole thing is that if you're a woman and you get married and for some reason you don't want to be married, there's no reason for you to stay and there's a lot of reason for you to leave. Because after a point, you can just get divorced and then leave, and then you you basically just have a steady stream of passive income. So th- it's easy to get divorced because you don't really have to worry too much about it. It's not a decision you need to think too hard about. You just get divorced if you're a woman, and you get paid. And there's, you know, marriage is going down a lot because a lot of people are wising up to that. Uh, as far as education go, so education... This one is, uh, there's a lot of, I have something pulled up right here. Today's young adults are much better educated than their grandparents, as the share of young adults with a bachelor's degree or higher has steadily climbed since 1968. Among millennials, around 4 in 10, 39%, of those ages 25 to 37 have a bachelor's degree or higher, compared with just 15% of the silent generation. Roughly a quarter of the baby boomers and about 3 in 10 Gen Xers, 29%, when they were the same age. So millennials are by far the most educated. But Chris mm-hmm. mentioned something about useless degrees, and I think that has a lot to go with, to go yeah. into it. Yeah. And there's a lot you can say about college. It's way too expensive for the for like the services you're providing. Um, it lets in way too many people. Mm-hmm. It the it's very corrupt. All and all that's true. And that's because yeah. of the government too. Let me explain. <laughs> so uh so, the government grants uh, federally backed student loans, and you've probably heard this spiel uh, a million times, but it is true. When the colleges have no incentive to lower prices because the government is going to back and pay for whatever the students take, regardless of uh, the product that they are receiving, they can just raise their prices and keep it going. Now, after a point, you would wonder, well, surely people would wise up to that stop going to college but that is where public school comes in now the teachers union who gets paid a lot of money for people keeping going to school basically indoctrinates children and just beats it into their head that you know you got to go to college it's the only way to be successful 
And the yep. teachers' union is run by boomers. So, right. you know, maybe Chris is half right here. I, I'm fully <laughs> right. <laughs> but it's not boomers in general. It's boomers and the state. So vote boomers out or something. Uh, so education. Millennials are more educated, but the education is worth less. Why is that? Because a lot of education doesn't necessarily reflect the demands of the market. Now, right. in, the, in the United States, you can make any amount of money you want for any reason. You can get anybody to pay you for anything. You just have to convince them to do it. You can get mm-hmm. the richest man in the world, Bill Gates, to give you a million dollars for doing nothing and sitting home. Yeah. Good luck convincing him to do that, though. So, and the idea is that you can get money for the things you want to do or you want to sell. You just got to convince somebody to buy it. And that's a pretty good system, except for when people have an, uh, we'll call it a delusional view of what people want. So mm-hmm. you have uh, people in useless majors getting things that don't really have any kind of uh, free market demand. And that's mostly a fault of the individual. After a certain point, you should be able to do your research, figure out what you can get paid to do, and then if you want to go to college, or if you need to go to college for that, then you go to college for that. It's not that hard. That's what I did. Do you think I like programming? I don't. I hate programming. If I have to open up Vim one more time, I'm going to lose my mind, but I can make money off of it, and that's what's really important. I can do the things that I enjoy at home. Like, I really like... um. Spanish literature. My dad was born in Spain. He would go to the United States when he was 11. I really like uh, Lope de Vega. There, uh, and I took a, a class on it in, in college, but I'm not going to do it for my major. Why would I? I can read Lope de Vega's works at home. I can just buy the books. It's not that hard. I don't need to get a major about it. But I need to have a, a degree in computer science to prove to companies that I can perform uh, computer science related uh, work with some degree of efficiency and accuracy. The last thing they talked about, uh, the family, right. Family, also ruined by the state. So (laughs) in the 1960s, Lyndon B. Johnson uh, created the Better Cities Bureau, something like that. Larry Elder actually talks about this a lot with Dave Rubin. Uh, You should definitely go look at that. That's where I learned about this. But basically, it was a almost a violently racist attack on the black family by the federal government to make them dependent upon the state. Basically, federal agents would go door to door in black neighborhoods and they Mm -hmm. would say, we're here to talk about your welfare benefits, basically free money you can get from the federal government, provided that there is no man in the house. And that created a system and a cycle of dependency of black mothers. And it created, uh, yeah, it created a system and cycle of dependency of black mothers on the state. And basically, there was no reason for them to get married. Why would they get married? They don't want to miss out on their bennies. I don't want to miss out on my bennies. Wish I had some. That would be cool. I'm a single mother, too. I don't <laughs> <laughs> so, and that, and eventually, the people in the state realized, and it worked, too. That was the rough part. I think around 70% of all black babies are born to a single mother home. And that's just mm-hmm. terrible. Absolutely horrible. You hear a lot of uh, racist people uh, reference, you know, 13% of the population, 50% of all the crime. For starters, it's just not true. Uh, African or black people are overrepresented in crime, but it's not 50%. It's 50% as far as homicide goes. But if you look at young black men who don't have a father figure and young white men who don't have a father figure or young Hispanic men who don't have a father figure, 
This numbers are very close. And it can, why? It's within a couple degrees of percent. I think it's within one standard deviation. That can easily be explained by things like poverty. It has nothing to do with race. It has everything to do with the state coming and manipulating the family. Now, it's pretty easy to uh, blame the state for everything. Because it, it, it's, that's true. But you have to realize there are some cultural aspects to it as well. Uh, I think Chris is right about some of the things. The boomers had very unrealistic and idealistic views about the government, or maybe they were just statists and they were trying to hurt and control people, as the government often does. Uh, what are we talking about? <laughs> well, was I talking about the government or boomers? I can't remember. Uh, you've been getting them a little mixed up here. I do have a rebuttal for one of your points, or yeah, a couple ahead. of your points, actually. Um, so what you've what you've talked about is you've blamed. See the the things that I brought up. You said the millennials need to take responsibility for themselves, and I agree with that. I agree that at a certain point you should you should have done research on your college degree before going into college. That's a no brainer. Like you should not just stumble into college and say, oh, I want to major in basket weaving. And then you get out and you're like, wow, there isn't really a market for this. Why did I just waste four years of my life and go into so much debt? Right. So at that point, yeah, I, I can acknowledge that there is a lot of uh, personal um, uh, responsibility that you should hold in terms of uh, sure. working for your degree. But, however, you do not hold um, other people responsible for taking advantage of the government in terms of how much you know their free stuff that they can get. So sure, we can say, hey, um, uh, yeah, women who go through divorce are going to be better off, and they're going to get a lot of stuff from it. And but what what we have to acknowledge here is that these are women who um, destroyed, who who left the family on purpose in order and risked the mental health and well being of their children to follow this sort of you know free money. This, I, oh, I have everything to gain from this and nothing to lose. Right. A good mother would never do that. And a good mother would acknowledge that a father figure being there is going to be the best thing for him. That's true. And, or, or her, whatever the, you know, uh, whatever they identify as. So the point being here, we can, we can give that responsibility to everyone here. You know, we can blame people who do take advantage. You know, the, the ones in my generation, you know, the single mothers who are taking advantage of the government, um, you know, doing awful yeah. things and uh, giving them free money for Using having a kid without... to take other people's money. That's a bad well, yes. thing. Yeah, and so you're when you become a part of that system, you are a part of that, and you're... You have the free will to not associate with this mentality. You don't have to become a part of this system. And sure, there are a lot of there's a lot of uh, gray area there in which there are a lot of people who would get a lot of help from it. You know, like you said, growing up in poverty. Um, maybe it's their way of getting out of that, or their way of trying to get out of that. I can understand that. But in terms of like a well-off middle-aged woman who is with her husband and they have three kids and she's like, you know what, I want a divorce because it's going to end well for me. I think we can hold them responsible for that. Yeah. And I think that a lot of the personal responsibility does come for both sides, for both millennials and boomers. We need to realize that there are a lot of things that they did that were not 
um, you know, morally oh, sound. I can't yeah. stand the status, dude. <laughs> status can state. Yeah. The big thing to me is that it's there's always going to be bad people. Right. Obviously, uh, there's a lot of um, cultural respect and admiration showered upon single mothers and mm-hmm. uh, certain women who do certain things. You know, mm-hmm. men are generally seen as expendable. You've you've heard all this spiel before. That's right. that's always going to be true. And there's always going to be men who take advantage of the system and do X Y Z to get money from the government. And that's always going to be that's always going to be uh, happening unless we get rid of the welfare state. Now, the big problem here is that the government is providing them the opportunity. If you, mm-hmm. if I, <laughs> it's a really bad example. If I point a gun at somebody and somebody else pulls the trigger. It's both of our faults, right? But I still provided the gun. Yeah. You know, if I hadn't given them that, they probably couldn't have shot them. Mm-hmm. Now, there's always going to be theft, like taxation, and there's always going to be exploitation of certain systems. But the government provides that on such an unprecedented level that it is realistically uh, the most. It it is realistically the largest way to. Uh, hurt people and extract wealth from them those uh single mothers you were talking about or those yeah. divorcees that you're talking about that uh do things specifically because you know i can i can catch a check if i divorce my husband or right. i can get these benefits if i don't keep this baby daddy around that sort of stuff that's terrible i agree mm-hmm. with you but it's the government that's facilitating that it didn't happen for the better cities bureau and it didn't happen to white people until statists uh, realized, oh, this worked on black people. It can probably work on everybody else, too. It started as a violently racist uh, program from the federal government to hurt black people. I, th- I would say it still is. But they realized we can hurt more than just black people. We can hurt every. We can hurt a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're, um, we could go on for hours about, you know, holding certain people how much responsibility do you hold you know do you you know because i've talked about this with a couple with some of my friends and it's a very off-topic thing but basically the the thing of well like you mentioned before with growing up in a certain area growing up in poverty how much are you responsible for your own actions at that point if you do commit a murder if you become part of a gang you're 100 responsible for your own actions Right. And then but then there's also we have this system that we need to blame and all of this stuff that, um, you know, oh, well, you grew up in a bad area, so it's more likely for you to do these things. Um, Kendrick Lamar actually goes into a lot of this in some of his songs talking about the right, you know, the how he grew up in a bad area. Um, And so and another thing I talked about with a friend of mine was the, the people who are more likely to commit rapes because of the fraternity lifestyle that they come from and the way that they've, um, and I, and I just, at a certain point, I think I, I just, I want to just, (laughs) I want to hold people accountable for their own actions. That's what it is. And, and I think that we could do a lot to do that. But then again, I've grown up in a very nice place. I've grown up with wonderful parents. Two parents, mother and a father, and I had a sister, and it was a very normal household. We were pretty middle class up until a certain point, and so, 
you know, I had a great childhood, so it's hard for me to put myself in that situation. And so I, you know, I get, I get why some people would attribute certain lifestyles to the fact that, you know, well, like we talked about before, you know, growing up in a, a bad, uh, you know, growing up even with just a single mother, more likely to commit crimes and things like that. Yeah, um, and, uh, you know, I grew up, Chris mentioned this earlier in the podcast, I grew up with a single mother. My dad right. passed away in 02, uh, 2002, mm-hmm. due to Lou Gehrig's disease. I was six years old at the time, and obviously, you don't want your kids to end up like me. Nobody wants that. If you're listening to the podcast and you're a dad, you know, stick around. Your kid might turn out halfway retarded, mostly illiterate, <laughs> self-hating. This is a cautionary tale. <laughs> it is a cautionary tale. And, you, you know, but eventually, you know, there's a lot of things you can uh, talk about with that sort of thing. And I, I know a lot of people, a lot of people with single mother homes, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I remember there was a... At the elementary school that I went to, there was like a, a group therapy thing for kids who didn't have, uh, who had one parent homes due to different reasons. Um, it was a private school, went to a private Catholic school, uh, grades one through five. So I think there's only three of us. Two of us, our fathers passed away and the other one, his father ran out on him. And it affects you in different ways. I hate to like try to measure which way is worse, but I'll probably say having your father run out on you rather than pass away is probably worse because... Yeah, I, I don't agree. Know. It, to me, it just feels like it, it's worse, and I guess It's I, a choice that they yeah. made, and so it's sort of like a betrayal in a way. I can understand why. I, I didn't get it as bad as I could have gotten it, which I'm not... <laughs> Which is a weird thing to be grateful for, but, you know, yeah. <laughs> I am. You know, my dad probably would have stuck around if he could, but, yeah. you know, sometimes yeah. you get weird genetic diseases and then you die. Yeah. I learned that at a very young age. Mm-hmm. So, when you're coming up in a single mother home, or any single parent home, there's it's there's a lot different. Uh, on, like, a personal, on, like, a family unit level, the parent just has less time. My mother's a veterinarian, and she was running her own business. She ran, she started the business with my dad. They ran it together. And then out of nowhere, it was just her. So she had, and my dad was uh, the business guy. He was a veterinarian, but he, he did like a business minor in college is what mm-hmm. I learned. And my mother never did any business classes. She just went straight from bio to veterinary school. So she had no idea what she was doing. And my dad, you know, Lou Gehrig's is a pretty terminal disease, uh, unless you're Stephen Hawking. <laughs> <laughs> which is it's still terminal it just takes a lot longer yeah. but you know my dad tried to run her through like things that she should know things that she should do but you know you can only learn so much in two years from a mostly paralyzed man so she had she was very busy all of the time mm-hmm. running a business and then she would have and the business she was running it's not super fun i worked uh, at a veterinary clinic for quite some time it's not super fun yeah. sometimes dogs die yeah. And that blows. And then, so she had, and she had three kids as well. There are three of us, three boys. So, you know, we all just kind of got shit on from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple of things that like, uh, my older brother, uh, he became really soft, I would say. Uh, he was much more emotional, and which helped him in some ways and didn't help him in, in others. Yeah. And, you know, he kind of got picked on a lot in school. And my younger mm-hmm. brother was very emotional in a different way. 
and because he was a very very angry person he had a lot of he had a pretty bad temper and i was well chris has said it before i saw the world in ones and zeros and (laughs) you know i used to get really offended by that i used to get pretty kind of upset when chris said that i was like man i have feelings too why has it got to be like that until i realized that i was on the right track feelings are whack as fuck if your dad dies just stop caring right now that's what that i'll tell you strong coping just mechanism don't just move on it's over <laughs> just learn to hate yourself more than you're sad about your dad leaving and that's Dang. what i would reckon no don't Dang, please don't act getting bad <laughs> Tristan, pull it back. I'm, I'm totally, I'm totally over it. By the way, I'm not. <laughs> Man. So, and, he, and you know, uh, Chris said, you know, millennials have to deal with that a lot more than other people. Yeah. Which blows. And you know, uh, mm-hmm. there's a lot of uh, research done on this where fa- uh, homes without fathers by far the worst off. So like you have mm-hmm. like two parent household. Uh, mother and father then there's uh, gay relationship households there's a lot of data on at least not a lot of data that i could find they mostly turn out fine as far as as far as i could glean from the data there's like single father which are substantially closer to two-parent households and then there's single mother which is just at the bottom of the barrel especially pertaining to men because Mm -hmm. when men have a single mother uh, they are much more likely to commit crime they're much more likely to be hooked on narcotics. They're much more likely to be diagnosed with clinical depression, generalized anxiety yeah. disorder, X, Y, and Z. I was never diagnosed with anything, despite my therapist's best attempts at getting me to say something. Uh, <laughs> need to stop saying shit, shit like that. Go to therapy, kids. It's good for you. Yeah, it um, is. So I was never diagnosed with anything, and I've... I got a speeding ticket like twice. That's the worst legal trouble that I've ever Oof. been in. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> and I grew up with a grew up in a pretty decent neighborhood. Uh, it's kind of hard to call it a neighborhood. It wasn't actually a town. We didn't have a post office. It was so small. It was just a bunch of farms that were close together. We grew up in a very rural area, and then we mm-hmm. moved into the city when I was in when I was in sixth grade. We moved in the city. We went there for middle school. Mom bought a house so we could get rezoned for a better school because she didn't want it to take us to the private school anymore. Uh, and that was all right. We lived in a decent neighborhood, but we were kind of bordering on a bad neighborhood. I remember once when I was in middle school, a guy who was all strung out on meth had an actual AK-47. And uh, this is this is real shit. You can, look at, you can look this up. And he got dropped by some police officers. And a guy that I played soccer with, he lived in the house next to where that happened. And the police surrounded their house. His dad woke him up telling him that. And he's like, Dad, I don't believe you for a damn second. He looked outside (laughs) and went, ah, shit. That was wild. And it was was a nicer neighborhood. I went to a public school that was kind of half and half, like nice neighborhood, bad neighborhood. There was LR and then Drear. And Drear's the one I went to. LR was the really bad one where there was... uh, it was not, uh, there's a lot of crime and stuff happening around the school. And then Drew was kind of half and half. Uh, it was low-key racially segregated. We could never prove that, but we know they did it on purpose. Um, and, you know, millennials. Bring this back to millennials somehow. Well, so, <laughs> I was going to say, let's see, there was something I was going to say. It was something that you had said. Oh, the, the things about 
Yeah, like because you were talking about living in a you know single parent household and yeah. how you know difficult that can be. Oh, oh, I was gonna say about your brother how you talked about him being sort of softer, and I've seen that a lot. Um, when, and it's it's this thing where they don't really, and you know we like to say that we like to pretend that men and women don't have their you know certain roles in you know in the family yep. in society that they don't have a difference. There, there is a difference, and we need to acknowledge that. And once we do, yeah. I think we can move on and make better families because a, a man needs to be there in order to show his son through example how to uh, react to things, how to handle emotions. You know, Don't. Um, <laughs> ignore. Well, them. how to how to at least take it out in a healthy way. You know, pick up. Um, you just know, just football. take your emotions head and just hold it underwater. <laughs> until the bubbles and start lifting coming up and, and like inside. you know playing all kinds of sports you can um, lift too you know, that's fine using yeah using that energy in a more positive way to better yourself and you know like there are tons of things like that that a dad can teach his son and it's just not happening when it's the whole um mom gets him throughout the week and then he sees dad on weekends and i've noticed that like when that happens the son will um you know like you said he grows very soft um, he's very emotional and he doesn't really know how to handle it because yes, men do have lots of emotions and that's something that, um, people don't really acknowledge very much, but it is something that you have to learn very early on, especially when testosterone is coursing through your body and you're, you're, you're lit, you know, you're ready and, to and go. You know, you know what else? I bet that, uh, is a factor in higher divorce rates because I, I have no data to suggest this, but I saw a tweet from Colyon Noir. He's oh, okay. uh, he works, <laughs> he used to work for the NRA, and he's he's an attorney, and he's talking about uh, you know, home protection with firearms. And he said, if you're a man, even if you don't believe, if you're a married man, even if you don't believe in guns, even if you hate them with your soul, you need one if you don't want to get divorced. Because if somebody breaks into your house and you can't adequately defend your family. You will get a divorce claim with inconsolable differences faster than you could ever imagine. I think people Dang. growing up soft is a huge turnoff for most women. Yes, uh, I do no agree data, with that. No data to support that. Not at all. No, I, I, I think that's real right. because even though we we act like we, you know, women will often say things. Okay, I'm, this is going to be a little sexist. They say things. Women say they, a lot of things, fellas. They, they don't necessarily... Um, they, they mean them to a certain extent. And what I mean by that is they'll say they want an emotional, um, you know, caring man. And they do. But they want someone also who, you know, they don't want a reckless individual who also, you know, just can't take any sort of, <laughs> can't defend himself, can't yeah. take any criticism, is, you know, overly sensitive. There's a balance to everything. So when they say they want a sensitive man, what they actually mean is they want someone who cares about them. And other than that, that's just my opinion, but that's you know, what you know I've actually, noticed. You know who actually proved this? The Hodge twins. Yes. In their, in their famous video, or their <laughs> advice column, where, they, where a guy asked them if he's ugly. Yeah. <laughs> And they That's basically tell them, it's like, no, women don't dislike you because you're ugly. They dislike you because you're a pussy. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, it's kind of a, it's a rough way to take it. But, you know, mm -hmm. that's just reality. If you're a man, yeah. you should be useful in some yeah. way. It's not that hard. Learn to fix something. I don't know. Take yeah. a mechanic class. I, fix a car. Try something. <laughs> so that's what 
I, that's, I think we've, we've covered pretty much of this. We're reaching our 40 minute mark. So where we're at here is millennials, um, got bad. a lot of problems. Yeah. Bad. Millennials are bad. Boomers. Um, worse. <laughs> boomers. Eh. I, I don't think they're as bad, but they've caused a lot of things that made the millennials bad. Um, and you so know, is it, the government as Tristan has pointed yeah, out. To you know us, what? This so is can... why I work with computers. Cause I just can't stand people. <laughs> After a point, you just, you know, I work with, com- you know, computers work right if you just put in the right keys, but people... Yeah, the ones and zeros. Yeah, all the ones and zeros. That's yeah. the way I think about everything that has yes. ever existed. Yes. So next time, guys, we'll uh, we'll see you then. And then, um, let's see, check out our YouTube channel if you're not there already. Uh, subscribe. And we'll see you see in that next one. Bye. Bye-bye.